0: The Campanella talking baseball. baseball. The man and Bobby Fella. The scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque. Especially Willie, Mickey, And, the- and this is Indeed Talking Baseball with Duke Goldman, a Sabre star, Society of American Baseball Research historian, and expert in the Negro Leagues. So, Duke Goldman, you have probably forgotten more baseball statistics today than I have ever known in my entire life. You are really encyclopedic almost when it comes to knowing baseball and its history. And we, therefore, rely on you to tell us not only about the past, but about the future. So, starting with today's Daily Hampshire Gazette, can Dodgers buy championship Training camp set to open. This from the Associated Press. Money can buy a lot of things. But the unanswered question, or at least the question that is posed, can the Los Angeles Dodgers, having spent $1 billion, that would be with a B, $1 billion on new contracts for a couple of players, can it buy a championship? So first question for you is can it, and second question for you what happened to the Red Sox during this offseason? But take it in whichever order you like.
1: Can it buy a championship for them? Yes. Will it buy a championship for them? That's why we watch them play the games. And, you know, it'll it'll get them – I'd be stunned if they don't win – if the Dodgers don't win 100 games. But then they got to go in the playoffs and it gets them out of the first round and that's it. Then they still have to win in the playoffs. And the playoffs is a whole other season than the regular season. So – You know, the Dodgers are going to be competitive for years to come. By the way, they've been competitive for years and years and years. They've won their division virtually every year for the last, I don't know, 15 or so seasons. So, yeah, they're an amazing team, and now they're even better. I don't know whether
2: it's cause and effect, but it seems to me that since Magic Johnson became part of the ownership clubs there, they've been
1: successful. I don't think it's a cause and effect. Quite honestly, Buzz, I I don't think it has anything to do with it. Um, I think they just uh, they have a good system. They brought in I think Andrew Friedman, who they brought in from the Tampa Bay Rays, who runs the front office, is really a knowledgeable baseball guy, and he's he's combining the expertise of knowing how to build uh, uh, a stream of good young ball players with a front office that's willing to spend money. Um, and maybe to some limited degree, Magic Johnson contributes to that. But you know, they're, they're just a juggernaut and they're a billion-dollar franchise and they've done it well for a long, long time and they continue to do it well. They're also in L.A. and that gave them an, a tremendous advantage when it came to Otani, Shohei Otani, who was already playing in L.A. and then signing Yamamoto, the Japanese star – Where L.A. is 3,000 miles closer to Japan, and I think that makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, and we could also mention that L.A. is a very wealthy city compared to many. It is a very wealthy franchise, and they could commit $1 billion to
2: two players. Right, but there have been many times when an L.A. franchise wasn't successful,
1: despite that. Yeah, and, you know... The Red Sox could commit a billion dollars, and the Mets certainly could commit a billion (laughs) dollars. And they tried. the Yankees (laughs) certainly can commit a billion dollars. Right. And some of these teams have tried, and with varying degrees of success, right?
0: Right. Because at the end of the day, if you give a billion dollars to a pitcher and you have a billion dollar arm, the pitcher's arm still has to stay healthy. That's
1: right. And we don't know what Yamamoto is going to do when he comes to the United States and has to pitch in the American major leagues. Chances are he's going to be really good, but But we don't know.
0: But there's also a difference between the way pitchers are used in Japan and the way they're used in in, in American baseball, not the least of which is that they pitch more regularly with shorter days of rest in between starts, and that has made a huge difference for some Japanese pitchers when they come to the United States. Let me ask you this. Duke Goldman, here's the quote from today's ap story in the daily hampshire gazette under can dodgers by championship the subhead training camps set to open Major League Baseball spring training opens for 28 of 30 teams over the next few days with pitchers and catchers reporting to sites in Arizona and Florida. Because
1: the Dodgers and the Padres training camps for pitchers and catchers have already opened because because, they are playing in South Korea, I believe, March 22nd and 23rd. So pitchers and catchers have already reported, believe it or not.
0: Before the Super Bowl.
1: Well, yeah, they actually reported before the Super Bowl. Yeah. So...
0: Something to look forward to now that the Super Bowl is in the rearview mirror. And
1: I know it was a great Super Bowl and all that, but I still say the best second of the year is the first second after the Super Bowl where (laughs) football is not coming back for months to come. Though you can't tell that from ESPN, which covers football 24-7, 365 basically. Well, because
0: football makes money and makes more money than baseball, although this- Baseball o- makes a lot of money, too, ma-
1: but football has a bigger fan base and a much more avid fan base, and, and that's what the audience wants, in Americans. football is the game in America, without a doubt. There's absolutely no question about
0: that. Right. There was a discussion, I remember, about religion in America, and the most popular religion that people believed
1: in was football. Well, football and shopping. <laughs> I always say that. <laughs> Chopping is really the American religion. It's oh. also
2: in, in baseball there there are a hundred and if, if you're really lucky and go all the way through the World Series, there's something like a hundred and eighty something games that are big, in football there's so few games and right. the playoff games become enormous because there's much small smaller percentage of the season, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so you can be a weekend warrior who follows your teams and spend all of a Sunday watching football and pretty much capture everything as opposed to a baseball fan is a daily thing. Of course, for some of us, the idea that it's a daily thing to me is, is the joy of it, that I have baseball every single day.
0: Right, there's baseball and there's Wordle every day, things that get <laughs> us up in the morning, I understand. Not
1: that coffee, but, <laughs> and uh, coffee. And yeah. coffee,
0: okay. So, Duke Goldman, I would like to turn to – a topic that I think many people are really interested in. And I was particularly interested to see the New York Times review uh, this past weekend of what teams have done in the offseason to improve themselves. And they came across, I was looking, looking, it was down here at the end, the Boston Red Sox. Drum roll, please. What have the Red Sox done to improve themselves, they can only improve, for this year?
1: Well, I think the potentially the best thing they may have done to improve themselves is to bring back Theo Epstein into the Fenway Sports Group. And whether or not that's just a doesn't PR he work for, move— Doesn't
0: he work for another team?
1: No, not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Not anymore. He used to be for the Cubs. Worked for the Cubs, and then he went to MLB's uh, front office and Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. Um, and um, now he is. They, they are taking pains to say, well, he's an investor. He's a. Uh, he's not really a b- going to be in the baseball decision making process. But you know what? The fans are restive in. In, in Red Sox Nation because we see what the Fenway Sports Group is doing, and that sports group is seemingly much more interested in other sports than baseball. So what did the Red Sox do in the offseason?
0: Stop, stop, stop for one second. Theo Epstein is uh, synonymous with Red Sox victories. Correct. Theo Epstein is the reason they won championships, right? Well,
1: arguably, yes.
0: And bringing him back is a big promise to the fan base.
1: Well, yeah, and that's why they're taking pains. to The ownership group is saying, well, he's not really going to be involved in day-to-day decision-making. Well, but. what
0: the heck? It's not his money that they need. No, they, they, they need they him just... to
1: say to the other owners, you know what? It's time to really go back to building this team because what did they do in the offseason? What did they do in this offseason? Well, they signed a guy named Lucas Giolito who had a something like a 4.88 earn-run average Which for non-baseball year, fans we
0: should point out is pretty terrible. Yes, is ho- horrendous.
1: Now, he'd had a— decent year the year before but they signed him for two years and 38 million dollars may sound like a lot but it's kind of a drop in the bucket
0: whoa whoa, whoa, 19 million a year for two years that's a lot it strikes me as a lot of money i mean i could i get a third just to Yeah, I get that,
1: but you know, uh, for all of us, it sounds like a lot. But you know, in the baseball scheme, it's not. It's only two years, and maybe it's smart that they didn't give him a longer term because who knows what he's going to do. And then he joins then a rotation populated by Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock and Nick Pavetta and Cutter Crawford and Brian Bayo.
0: Okay, so there we go. Who and who and who and who and what? Well, I had to read them off the paper cuz you know, I don't
2: even remember that. <laughs> not only are they not household names, I can't pronounce them even if I read them.
1: I and not to, you know, there there there's talent in that group, but they're unproven. And that's the whole point is that The Red Sox used to have, well, they had Chris Sale, for instance, who they traded this year, and I understand why they traded him. He's been injured a lot the last few years, and they got a player named Vaughn Grissom who's a good middle infielder for him, Um, but Lucas Giolito is supposed to replace him, and who knows how well he's going to do. If he does well, if Tanner Houck does well, Brian Bayo had pitched well for half a season with them last year, there's potential there, but it's not... It's not what you expect. It's not the Dodgers. It's not the uh, players with great track records who are really likely to produce. But
0: Duke Goldman, this is, as you often say, why we play the games or why they play the games. Yes, they are unproven, but it's spring training. The season is about to begin, and everyone starts with a 0-0 record, and the fact that there are unproven Players doesn't mean this team isn't going to win. No. Take a look, for example, at the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, who last year at this time you say, nah, they don't have a chance. Won a hundred games, best teams in baseball. So,
1: without a doubt, and that's that's the renewed hope every year that every fan has. That's what brings people back. Is can our team be this year's Texas Rangers, who you know more or less came out of nowhere and won the World Series? There's certainly potential for that. And Duke that.
2: Goldman, it's not just can our team. It's can an underdog, can, you know, homegrown players who, who would you rather root for? A team that has a bunch of people you never heard of who are sort of struggling and they've come to the major leagues and find great success or a team that bought its way to a championship spending, you know, billion on a billion dollars on a payroll and uh, has all these names that we know of. I'd rather root for the underdog who we don't know about.
1: Bill, as a lifelong Yankee fan, how would you answer that question? (laughs) The first question about any
0: sporting event is not about statistics. It's not about payroll. It's not about their home life. It's did you win? Sure. And that is what fans care about. If the Red Sox spent a billion dollars and got three great players for the next decade, excuse me, no one would care how they got there. The question is, do they win? But that's I'll take, what fans. I'll take care. a
1: little bit from what Buzz <coughs> said. We also like seeing homegrown players, players we grew up with, um, or, and they grew up with us, who put on the uniform that, of the team they sign with and go out there and do it. Especially but how for many
2: clubs are, like me, Bill? People who who love to play the game. If I see somebody who is like me, I can identify with somebody who doesn't have name recognition. And yeah, but how many pretend
0: how, it's me? How many players come up through the farm system of a given team, then go to the major league team, and then stay there for their career? That is what used to happen decades and decades ago. It doesn't happen. This idea of homegrown talent is a foreign concept in baseball as a practical
1: matter. Except when it does happen, it's even all the more resonant. I mean, you as a Yankee fan, wouldn't you tell me that <laughs> watching Aaron Judge from the first Yes, day our was-
0: homegrown talent, yes, but— He's one out of what twenty-eight players on the team.
1: I mean, he uh, and he is
0: the star, and he is the story. And,
1: and I will tell you, I think the Yankees' hopes for this year ride on how many games he plays. Because he is a superstar. He's also prone to injury. Correct. And last year, if he had not been injured for about a third of the season, I think the Yankees would have made the playoffs. So that's what I think will drive their engine because he, he, he makes the lineup in some sense. Yes, the Yankees brought in Juan Soto, and both Soto and Judge can make, you know, make an incredible impact. But Judge really moves the needle for that team and for the fan base. Well, we're going to judge more of this when we come back more talking
0: baseball with the Duke, Duke Goldman, right after this.
2: the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, coming up right here. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP.
0: We continue our conversation with Northampton-based baseball historian and expert Duke Goldman. Two pieces in today's sports sections of the papers that I want to ask you about, Duke. One is about Sports Illustrated and the demise of Sports Illustrated, which we'll get to in just a second. First, I want to ask you about this piece in today's Gazette under, under the headline, Can Dodgers Buy Championship? I thought this perhaps should have been up near the top of the story, but anyway, it is in the story. Under the heading, First Female Umpire? Question mark. Jen Pual, P-A-W-O-L, is on the verge of becoming Major League Baseball's first female umpire. The 47-year-old from New Jersey was selected to work a full-time big league spring training schedule this year, putting her on track to become the first woman to umpire a regular season big
1: league baseball game. Is this a big deal? It's a big deal if it actually happens. Um, I hope it will happen. I think there's more momentum towards it than before, but there was a woman named Pam Postema who umpired for... Something like 10 years in the top minor leagues who umpired major league spring training games before she was actually what they call a crew chief, the head of her crew because of her ability and seniority in the Pacific Coast League. She never made it to the major leagues. So Uh, And Pawal being uh, in spring training is a step in the right direction, but it will require them actually choosing to make her um, a major league umpire during the season. And I sure hope it happens. I think it should.
0: Is there an objective criteria or are there objective criteria? deciding who gets promoted, which umpires in the minor leagues get promoted to the major leagues? I
1: mean, yes and no. I mean, they do evaluations. They can look these days at metrics about what percentage of strike calls they're getting right and wrong and that kind of thing. But in the end, it's somebody in the office deciding whether to do it or not. And I think in some ways, that's the the impetus towards getting her there is that Major League Baseball is going to now say the optics really would be positive to have a woman uh, umpiring at the major league level. Uh, And and sure, she's got to be good enough, but the very fact that she's gotten this far and that she's being brought to spring training, to my mind, indicates that she is good enough.
0: And given the use of technology, we're not going to see the kind of screaming at umpire fights that Billy Martin used to have, for example. True. So the idea of uh, abusive male managers going after female umpires is less of a concern, less of a concern, because, well, you have replays and reviews,
1: and that's that's a good point. I agree with that. At the same time, you know, let's face it, we still don't have an openly gay major league baseball player. Here we are in 2024, and there's still a lot of male bastions in major league baseball, and and umpires may some of them may not accept that readily that they're going to have a woman on on their staff. I wonder, Bill. It's a really good point that you raise. In, in
2: football and basketball, where there are female officials, have there has there been Fewer nose-to-nose confrontations with coaches and players, with female officials? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that either. Okay, three don't knows. (laughs) Let's
0: let's go on to this other topic I would like to raise with you. Sports Illustrated, an iconic publication, something that has just been part of the fabric of American sports, but more American society writ large for seven decades is on the verge of stopping publication. What do you know about that?
1: Well, they they had been sold uh, in the last few years, and apparently they're bleeding money, and they laid off a huge percentage of their staff very recently, and most people are presuming that they may publish for another couple of months as a print entity. My guess would be that they will continue as an online, but I think their days of print publication may be coming to an end, and that is astonishing. I mean, I still subscribe to Sports Illustrated. It's gone from a weekly to a biweekly to a monthly in the course of a couple of years. But I still enjoy their, their form of journalism and their pictures. And I do want to tell you, in 70 years, one thing that's changed is uh, the first person who was ever on the cover of Sports Illustrated was a baseball player. Do any of you guys know who in 1954 was the first p- person on the cover of Sports Illustrated?
2: I don't. I'm going to guess Mickey Mantle.
1: Nope. Uh, I'm gonna go with another. Don't know. Okay, Eddie Matthews. Oh, uh, third 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 baseman. Third baseman um, for who, for the Milwaukee Braves. For the for Eddie Matthews played for the Boston Braves, the Milwaukee Braves, and the Atlanta Braves, um, uh, and was probably the second best third baseman of all time behind Mike Schmidt and Buzz. You you met. I, I was I believe, lucky enough, and me. he was very kind to young adolescence. He Mm -hmm. was. And he's not that well known these days. He hit 30 plus home runs nine years in a row. And
0: he was the one-two punch with with, with Hank Hank Aaron. Aaron.
1: Yeah, who to this day, they are the two teammates who've hit the most home runs together as teammates in baseball history. Uh, They passed Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. And
0: what did it take to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, leaving aside the swimsuit edition for a minute?
1: Well, he was a he was a superstar at that point, right? And baseball was the number one sport. That's the thing that to my mind sticks in my head is that in 1954 there was no doubt baseball was number one. But I remember, you number. know, if if a
2: woman was on the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated, that was like the crowning achievement for any mm-hmm. athlete in any sure. sport.
1: Absolutely.
0: And of course, Sports Illustrated created sports. I mean, it created in many ways the uh, the infusion of interest in the Olympics. I mean, a large part of that was
1: I think this is a, a moment of change in the coverage of sports I think it's something important to notice We leave it there We have been
0: talking with Duke Goldman this has been talking baseball with the Duke Thanks so much for your time and your insights we really appreciate your time Duke my pleasure
1: Sometimes
0: a shadow wins, but I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say